Welcome to the Messenger Podcast. I hope that you will sit back and take a few moments to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord would like to say to you today. He is encouraging us and challenging us to not be afraid, but to be strong in the power of His might. Now, let's go to today's podcast. In this podcast, I will be speaking about an experience that I had which was completely unexpected. Yet several consecutive things took place, indicating a word and a warning from the Lord regarding our city. This happened in late August of 2019, right before the Wuhan COVID-19 biological disaster was unleashed shortly after. This is a difficult message somewhat for me to deliver, yet it's also a wonderful insight for us all during such volatile and dark days. This podcast was unusually difficult to pull together due to several events that simultaneously warred against us. Pipes broke in our home, and we are still sorting out that situation with great difficulty. I was suddenly ill with a kidney bladder situation. Now, I've never had any problems previously. And my husband was then in pain with a sudden kidney stone. We took this to prayer along with several others praying for us and with us and have seen the Lord do the work of restoring our bodies. The pipes are still in a place of prayer and decisions about what to do. But God sees it all and knows the answer. Now, let's get to the podcast. It's an intense but important message from the Lord at this time. Often the Lord will let us see things or catalog things, and then He will put these all together and speak clearly about why He let us see or hear some of them. It's not always easy to communicate what the Lord shows you prophetically, but I'm going to give it my best and trust that the Holy Spirit will let you hear what you're supposed to hear and see what you're supposed to see. My husband Steve and I went to the Denver Museum of Nature and Sciences to see the Da Vinci experience. I had purchased surprise birthday tickets for Steve since his birthday is in late August. Now this was in 2019. As we were driving around looking for a parking space, the lots were absolutely chaotic since the location at this event also had multiple huge displays and different events going on. We finally pulled into a space quite a distance away and hurriedly got up our car, got out of our car, and quickly headed towards the building that the presentation and creations that Da Vinci had made were being displayed. We had a specific time slot to be in line for, or we would lose our entry to view the exhibit. As we went in, we noticed to the left a section where there were all of the musical instruments and many copies of Da Vinci's paintings and amazing inventions that literally changed the world. On the right-hand side, there were large 20-foot graphics and then reproductions of all of the machines of war that Da Vinci drew and created. He was one of the first catapult engineers. As we read about his life, he was known to have extreme artistic talent and precision engineering types of abilities. But in order for him to finance his creative artistic gift, he also had to create weapons of destruction in order for the wealthy to support him. We moved on further into a large room that had multiple multimedia cameras positioned on huge canvases. 
and we watched beautiful movement and saw his most amazing art creations projected onto massive screens with gorgeous music accompanying these. As we moved out of that room and walked around and were looking at a few more items that were created by da Vinci, I looked up and on the wall there was a statement that da Vinci had made. I didn't quite know why at the time, but I was impressed to take a picture of it. Here's what that statement said. There are three classes of people, those who see, those who see when they are shown, those who do not see. Steve and I finished the exhibit and went out into the parking lot, and as we were walking towards our car, I looked in front of our car and realized we had parked in front of a large silver-colored aluminum light pole. Right in the middle of the pole, in front of our car, someone had carefully used some kind of a tool to hammer a perfect indentation of a goblet or what some might call a cup. I pointed this out to Steve and I said, why would there be a cup right where that pole is, where we are parked? Again, the Holy Spirit prompted me to take a picture of what I saw. So I did, and you will see the picture right below this statement. As a side note, the last name of our extreme liberal governor is Polis. We stopped to have a birthday meal and enjoyed ourselves and then began the trek back home on Interstate 25. We reached a specific place on the highway where you're up above on a higher curve that turns towards the north. To the left, you can see the full Rocky Mountain Front Range. The traffic was at a standstill when we hit this section and it was bumper to bumper. As we were sitting there talking about the strangeness of the Da Vinci art show, I happened to look out my window, which was on the right side of the car. Directly to my right, up in the sky, was a giant hand-shaped cloud. It was stretched out, reaching out over the Capitol, or pointing toward the Capitol Hill area of Denver. It was so clear and obvious that people were rolling down their windows and staring. And of course, phones with cameras were snapping up the picture. Again, the Holy Spirit said, take a picture of this. And we were pretty stunned to see something so extremely clear in the sky. Down in the corner of the picture, when I got home and looked at it again, was a billboard sign that said, Plumbers Wanted. Of course, at the time, I had no idea how all three of these pictures were going to come together. But we don't always know what the Holy Spirit is putting together in the moment when He is showing us things that He wants us to observe and pray about. For month after month, I was praying and trying to understand what the Lord was saying to me about all of these things He had me see. Meanwhile, the legislation in the state of Colorado and bills that were being passed by them were becoming more and more restrictive and excessively contentious and diabolical in their approach. Then one day, as I was just thinking about everything and praying, the pictures all came back to my mind. The Holy Spirit began to speak to me about the hand of God over our city, and I was immediately reminded of the picture of the hand that I had taken in the sky. This hand was the right hand outstretched in the sky, towards the city of Denver, and it almost looked as if there was another hand below it reaching towards it, but it was more faint. When God's hand is stretched out over a city or towards an individual, it is because He wants to either bless the city, warn the city, or judge a city. In the book of Daniel, chapter 5, there was the hand of God that wrote on the wall of a feast taking place. Belshazzar, the son of King Nabonidus, began to co-reign 
over the Babylonian Empire with his father, starting in 553 BC. He decides in 539 to hold in Babylon a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles. That's Daniel 5.1. No expense is spared in carrying out the lavish banquet. During the revelry, Belshazzar, now drunk from wine, commands that the holy vessels Nebuchadnezzar took from Jerusalem's temple be brought to the festivities. He then proceeds to have himself and his honored guests drink from these gold and silver goblets. The party guests soon begin to use the vessels in a contemptuous act against God to celebrate and praise their own pagan deities. This is Daniel 5, 2-4. Now we're going to talk about that miraculous handwriting. As those at the massive banquet continue to indulge in drunkenness and idolatry, the fingers of a man's hand miraculously appear near one of the hall's walls. The supernatural manifestation then begins writing on a wall the now well-known words, Many, many tekel a parson, Daniel 5.25. Belshazzar, while he is witnessing God's handwriting, becomes terrified. The fear welling up inside of him not only causes his face to turn pale, but also his knees to knock together. His now weakened state causes him to fall to the ground. That's Daniel 5, 5 through 6. This was worthless and vain. Pulling himself together, Belshazzar calls for his enchanters and astrologers to interpret the mysterious words. They, of course, proved to be worthless and unable to determine the meaning of the phrase on the wall. Following his wife's suggestion, which is Daniel 5, 10 through 12, the king summons an old man named Daniel, who is now likely in his 90s. Daniel severely chastises the king for not reeling in his excessive pride and vanity, even though he knew God punished King Nebuchadnezzar's pride. He then interprets the handwriting on the wall for the king. And this was a true interpretation. The literal word for the word translation of many, many tekel a parson in Daniel 5.25 is numbered, weighed, and divided up or split. Daniel goes into detail and tells Belshazzar that mene means God has numbered his kingdom and will end it. The word tekel suggests this judgment was due to the king's character being found morally deficient or wanting. Belshazzar is killed several hours after seeing the handwriting on the wall. The Persians overrun the city of Babylon, which is Daniel 5.31. The once great empire receives its final crushing blow, when later, the same year, Persia's Cyrus the Great is victorious at the Battle of Opus in Mesopotamia. The Spirit of the Lord has shown me that the meaning of these things that I saw and documented in pictures, these words on the wall in the Da Vinci display, the cup or chalice that was hammered on the light pole in front of where our car was parked, and then of course seeing the hand in the sky, are three things that really address one thing. Remember the Da Vinci statement was, there are three classes of people, those who see, those who see when they are shown, those who do not see. Many people are seeing that God is calling them into a deeper place of genuine purity, not a religious rigid holiness, but a divine holiness of love and faithfulness. It's a choice to be obedient to God, and these people see that God is asking them to walk a pure path with Him. 
they're hearing God speak in the different times that we are in and they are seeing him in a way they have not experienced before. These people are alive with the pursuit of the will of God for their lives and are in daily communication with God. The second group of people are those who will see when they are shown. These individuals walk in a very shallow faith and need to have facts and data that match their narrative or match the way that they think. These are the people that we are to compel to seek God, to seek truth, and to not seek the modern-day constant shifting of truths in order to convince people to follow a less-than-accurate way. Individuals like this often doubt that there is only one way for salvation through Jesus Christ as the Savior and King. They dabble in light occult practices and in different forms of soul-driven self-care practices in order to please their flesh, as well as feed their need to be in control. They walk in a very immature level of weak faith and often are distracted or led by emotions and feelings regarding decision-making. This is where deception easily creeps in and the louder voices of human reasoning choke out the pure Word of God. The third group of people are those who do not see. They absolutely remain blinded. They remain stuck and they choose to not believe the warnings around them. In John 9.39, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. As I pondered these things and began thinking about the communion-type-looking cup or chalice on the light pole in front of our car that was literally chiseled or hammered into the metal, no matter how much I tried to reason with myself that this didn't mean anything, the Holy Spirit would not let up. Then the Lord began to speak to me and said that this is the cup that our governor in Colorado has chosen to drink from. I remembered my statement when I saw the cup chiseled into the light pole as we were standing there. I vividly remember saying to my husband, look at what is hammered onto where the pole is. Pole is. Our governor's last name is Polis. And so the Lord began to speak to me about him. And yes, we have prayed and prayed for him and prayed that he would have his eyes opened. But in fact, he's becoming more and more like the tyrant king, Belshazzar, in Daniel, who defied everything in order to build his kingdom. His lavish and wicked ways have multiplied evil and death in our state. Many governors and leaders are drinking from a cup of deception, sexual perversion, the murdering of children, and tyrannical law. God's hand is outstretched. It was outstretched in the sky, pointing towards our state capital. God is saying to the state of corrupt Colorado, and of course to many other states specifically, that his hand is outstretched to those who will see and help, and who will obey the voice of God. But for those that have to be shown, and for those who will not see, there is a cup to be drunk from that will be of utter sorrow and great destruction. What amazed me about this outstretched hand in the sky was that people were at a dead stop on the highway and were all taking pictures. Everyone knew it was a phenomenon and an unusually strange cloud. They knew it was something strange because they were taking pictures of it. Down below in the right-hand corner of the picture, as I was looking at it again, you can see that there is an advertisement sign that was on the opposite side of the median. It said, Now Hiring, Plumber Service apply within. 
I was asking the Lord why that picture seemed to be significant because I was impressed to continue looking at it. And then he revealed to me why he wanted me to pay more attention to it. Most all of us know that plumbers come to do some very difficult work in our homes. One of the most messy and unpleasant jobs is when they have to bring in a rotor rooter system that needs to unclog drain pipes in order for debris and sewage and water to be able to pass through freely. The Lord impressed me with the understanding that prayer and intercession is much like plumbing. Those devoted to prayer stay consistent and persistent as they push against the darkness, the blockages, and the strongholds that stop up and keep the free flow of the Spirit of God in their cities. Intercessors know that the consistent application of prayer in specific areas has to be done with the intent of focused and purposeful prayer. Colorado has many demonic strongholds, and the darkness has encroached and increased. Colorado's governor signed into law that there can be no conversion therapy permitted by any counselor or licensed psychiatrists or licensed, registered, or certified mental health providers in the state of Colorado, according to the Movement Advancement Project. You will see that I have given you a link to read all about it. This basically means that anyone who would want to leave a homosexual lifestyle or any other kind of sexually deviant lifestyle attached to that cannot be counseled as to how to do that. It is called fantasy. It is called impossibility, and it is called illegal. Christians who believe the Bible opposes homosexuality should be given the freedom to choose counseling and support that's one with their goals. But the current legal trend prevents parents from doing so. If you're a parent and you have a five-year-old boy who's confused about his identity, in Colorado, you can't find a licensed counselor who will help him embrace his masculine identity. And that's a travesty. However, Colorado law does allow for gender-affirming care, such as hormone therapy for minor children with parental consent. But youth can access mental health care without parental consent at the age of 12, which means psychotherapy of any kind, including gender-affirming counseling, is available for children 12 and older. Some states, including California, want to prohibit such therapy counseling for adults as well. Governor Polis also urged individuals to lie to their family members and privately get one of the controversial COVID-19 vaccines while engaging in deception to keep loved ones who may be against the vaccines from finding out. Here is his direct quote. A spouse, a parent you live with who doesn't want to get it, is against it. You can still privately get that vaccine without your parents or partner knowing if that's what keeps the harmony in the family and you are protecting yourself. Again, I have the link here provided for you to read. Now understand, Colorado does not make exceptions for minors to receive the COVID-19 vaccine or any vaccine without parental permission. This is where the church must come into play. Ministers who are men and women of God must be available to help break the darkness, break down the lies, break down the narratives by praying and being available to the Lord like a plumber, to clear out this blockage that is causing great difficulty in the homes and lives around them and the hearts of many believers. They must preach the truth regarding sexually deviant practices and pushes to influence little children that are taking place in our world. It must be done biblically and it must be done in love. 
Another thing that this governor has signed off into law is that a child can be aborted up to the very day of birth. That means a full-term baby can be murdered within seconds of being born. This is a great evil in our land, and it's a great evil to sign into law in any state. You can read about it at the link I've provided. And so, we, the intercessors of God, must pray. The part that stood out to me above all the others on the advertisement sign were the words, Apply Within. When we are intercessors for the Lord, when we are as human beings called by the Lord as believers to pray and do the work of intercession in prayer, to bring about a godly plumb line in our city, God is looking for those that He can employ or hire to get the job done. The Father is looking for workers who are willing to stand in the gap and pray until change comes. But it has to be applied within. Each of us has to apply that prayer to our own lives as well as seeking God, asking Him to purify our hearts so that when we pray, our prayers are not hindered and so that the Lord hears them from a pure heart. We have to apply intercession within first so that the hand of God can move without the land. What is the significance of the right hand of God? In ancient times, a person with a high or highest rank stood to the king's right side. Even today, a person may be called someone's right-hand man or wingman when he or she serves as the closest person to another leader. As an example of this, it can be found in Genesis 48, 13-14, where Jacob blessed the child who would receive a greater blessing with his right hand. The right hand of God also relates to this concept of someone being right next to God, acknowledging both authority and closeness to Him. While God the Father does not consist of a physical body like humans do, the right hand of God is often used figuratively in Scripture. In the Old Testament, the phrase is used to refer to the coming Messiah. That's Psalm 110.1. It predicts, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That was also in Matthew 22-44. Psalm 118.16 adds, The right hand of the Lord exalts the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. In the New Testament, we see expressions of this phrase in reference to Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 20-21 says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Romans 8.34 teaches who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. The right hand of God, then, is a reference to both a place of closeness to God the Father and a position of power above all other powers. That means that Jesus has power over any and all earthly governors operating in evil powers. Jesus the Messiah exists at the right hand of God today, perfectly reigning with God the Father and God the Spirit in community and power. The hand of God has been extended, letting us know that He is calling and pointing out as a sign that He is looking for intercessors. He wants to have a plumb line that is straight and in order, and He wants His people to believe and trust in Him without having to be shown every little step of the way. He's looking for those that will see and believe without having to be shown. And this is where the crux of our faith comes into play. When it is so difficult and so dark, and it seems as if nothing is changing and nothing is moving, 
resources are tight pressures within and pressures without are pushing in on us this is when the lord points to the place we need to be that place is looking within our own hearts to allow him to do the work through prayer and intercession that needs to be done we need to apply it within if you're looking for a sign from the lord and you've been seeking him your sign is exactly like the actual billboard sign that i saw he is looking for you to become a person that decides to hunker down in authentic times of prayer and intercession and apply it within your own life. As I shared these things with my husband Steve that I saw and pondered and wrestled over for months, we both continued to ponder and thought about them often and prayed. One morning a few weeks later, Steve, just as he was waking up, the Lord often shows or speaks things to Steve just as he's waking up in the morning, he heard the Lord speak to him and he was addressing our governor. Here is what the Lord said, You have been found wanting, your breath will be taken from you. Now please understand, we do not wish any evil or harm to come upon anyone. But just as Belshazzar chose to drink from the golden and silver goblets that were to be used only for holy purposes, our governor has chosen to use the vessels God has called holy, which are infants, children, and justice, and abuses them by drinking from the cup of the murderous genocide of infants, sexual deviancy, and tyranny. He refuses to be shown the way of the Lord, and he refuses to honor truth. He refuses to see. He wants to murder more infants and control medical care for children. And so the Lord speaks about his right hand of judgment and literally has a hand, right hand, form in the sky above Denver, reaching towards the Colorado State Capitol. Exodus 15:6 says, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. All across our land, there are leaders who have become driven by demonic forces and by their own pride and arrogance and wealth. They choose to ignore the voice of God and they refuse to see the warnings that he has continuously brought to our land. When we ask God to move his hand, we must ask with the intent of the Lord saving the wicked from his own demise. And yet we know that there will be those who will not see. When scripture uses the image of God's right hand, it is meant to be a picture of the pinnacle of strength and ability. In the passages that specify God's right hand, his strength is a key focus. One of my favorite verses is the following, Psalm 20, verses 6 through 7. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. The right hand of God is outstretched for his people for protection and salvation. And Psalm 44, 3 says, For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence, for you favor them. Psalm 17.7 says, Wondrously show your loving kindness, O Savior, of those who take refuge at your right hand from those who rise up against them. The last verse I share is packed with such beautiful truth. I believe it is exactly what many of you need to hear right now. Psalm 18.35 says, You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds and sustains me. Your gentleness, your gracious response when I pray, makes me great. 
My friends, it is in gentleness and intercession that makes us great. Great in the eyes of God, because we choose to move and flow in His image. Yes, judgment will come and God will move with fierce and complete fire when He brings justice. But He is long-suffering and He waits patiently and gives many opportunities for hearts to change. Jesus is still praying and interceding right now in this moment for us and intercedes for the world. But he does bring warnings. And just as he wrote on the wall, God is beginning to point his finger to things in each of our cities, and he is going to bring justice and judgment as well. We can shake our fists all that we want at the evil people around us and make poignant posts on social media that we hope others will read and be motivated by. But in the end, the greatest force and the greatest power and the greatest kindness and grace that we could possibly ever operate in is when we become those who choose to pray. We become plumbers by using the plumb line of prayer to push out the unclean and the unholy so that the fresh, clean flow of the Holy Spirit can once again bring times of refreshing and purity to the body of Christ and then to our cities. The Lord is going to begin to show more signs and wonders just like the hand in the sky that he formed over the city of Denver. I'm going to share in my next podcast about yet another supernatural event that I had when I began to prayer walk during the time of COVID-19 lockdowns. I had a very supernatural event take place and now in retrospect, realizing exactly what the Holy Spirit had me do and say has driven me to a place of understanding that when we are yielded to God in prayer and yielded to allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us, He will speak things and show us things that only God can do. I encourage you to become more tender-hearted and cast away bitterness and hatred and despair. Ask the Lord to drive you into a place of greater intercession because His hand is reaching out over your city and is reaching out over your leaders. But it is also pointing towards the signs that tell us we are to become people of intercession and apply that prayer within our own lives in order to see God move in a mighty way. He is absolutely holding us. In Isaiah 41.10, it tells us, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you or hold you up with my righteous right hand. Now, in conclusion, I'd like to say that there are many seasons in life. Proverbs tells us there is a time for every purpose under heaven. Beloved, I believe it is time to draw near to God, to prepare our hearts for His presence. There is simply no substitute for the presence of God. David was a king. His life was filled with many responsibilities. And he was clearly very passionate about many things. Yet he wrote, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, You, O Lord, I will seek. That's in Psalm 27, 8. If the Holy Spirit were to whisper to your heart that he wants more of your time, when the Lord says, Seek my face, what do you say? O oh, beloved, here is the true battle for your soul. Your victory is not in getting more data and information about the evil days and treacherous news cycles, but in your answer to the Lord's call. The result of seeking God is that He guides us into an absolutely fearless life. That's in Psalm 27, 1-4. David says, For in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle. In the secret place of His tent 
he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. That's Psalm 27.5. Today, with so many distractions, what place does the Lord have in your life? If he called you to deepen your walk, to seek his face, how would you respond? When he says, seek my face, what does your heart say to him? I love Paul's instruction in prayer that he gave to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, because this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Please, please join me right now in this moment of intercession as I pray for my city, your city, all cities. Father, turn our cities from the power of darkness to light. Open their eyes that they might receive forgiveness of sins. We pray for our cities, Lord. So much turmoil is affecting so many. Help us reprioritize in these desperate times. Teach us to number our days. Give us love for you and one another. Give us wisdom and discernment. Forgive us. Renew us. We pray against the evil schemes of the enemy. He is a liar and a murderer. From the beginning he was so. Help us resist his temptations. Preserve our lives, Lord. Help us to have peace in the middle of the storm. Strengthen our faith and love. Give us hearts full of thanksgiving. We depend on you. We do not put our hope in medicine, policy, leadership, or human might, but in the Lord of hosts, the Holy One of Israel. Be with every honest and godly leader and minister, Lord. Keep their eyes on truth and frustrate evil at every turn. In the name of Jesus Christ, our King, I pray. Amen. Well, I thank you for listening to today's podcast. I know it was intense and I know it was a little bit longer than normal, but that's what this podcast was supposed to be. I encourage you to go to my website at www.marylindo.com and there are other messages about the times we're in under the podcast heading that you can listen to as well. I bless all of you who have continued to assist in helping me do the work of the ministry. I don't just do podcasts. My husband and I minister to a lot of people in ministry. We mentor people in ministry, and we help walk through some difficult times with those who have passed through some fire or who have suffered persecution. And we count it an honor to be those voices of counsel and encouragement and nurture during these times. There are so many people right now that are dealing with difficult situations and they're standing firm in the true foundational truths of Jesus. And they're getting a lot of blowback and persecution for that. So I encourage you to continue to bless others, to be available to bless others, and to hear the voice of the Lord when he talks to you about nurturing and caring and supporting you know, it's not just money. Sometimes the Lord has you send a word of encouragement to someone or take them a dinner, take them a meal. Sometimes a note or a card can change a life. It just depends on if you're in the timing of God and obeying Him. Timing is everything with the Lord. So I encourage you to do good, to do acts of righteousness, and above all, to apply within. Get that intercession, that life of prayer, rolling in your life because it is a lifesaver. I'd like to say to you goodbye for now and I look forward to our next podcast which will be coming soon. Goodbye for now. God bless all of you.